This is the Minnesota Tim Podcast. I am so excited to welcome on my next guest into the Minnesota Tim Podcast. He is the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves on A3OWCCO. He had a front row seat for the Minnesota Timberwolves victory against the Los Angeles Clippers on Tuesday night in the play-in game to secure the seventh seed. His name is Alan Horton. You can follow him on Twitter at Wolves Radio. Alan and I get into a great conversation about Carl Anthony Towns, about the matchup with the Memphis Grizzlies, the expectations for Anthony Edwards, and so much more. Follow the Minnesota Tim Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate and review the podcast, please and thank you. Let's get into the conversation with Alan. Alan, thanks so much for making time to join the podcast today. Tim, you got it. It's uh, it's kind of an exciting time, huh? With the uh, with the win over the Clippers and heading off to the postseason for just the second time in the last uh, eighteen seasons. It's uh, you know, you can you can tell why people were so happy and celebrating, and the players were too last night. Super exciting. So, but before the game even started, Alan, we got an officiating crew that uh, <laughs> didn't quite suit the Minnesota Timberwolves and. Or at least history would say so. And you have a little history with Ed Malloy back in the day with your famous Ed Malloy call. When you saw that officiating crew on board for the game, did you have a little conspiracy theory fix coming through your head? <laughs> no, I don't know if it was that. I, I, I was not the quickest to, I wasn't waiting for 9 a.m. East Coast time, which I think is when they post those officials. So I was not quickest to it. But once I did see that Ed Malloy and Scott Foster and, 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 I, I put Scott Foster up there. I mean, the list is if you're with the Wolves long enough, there's a pretty long list of officials that you kind of have a problem with through the years. And Scott Foster is up there for because he's the one that had the untucked jersey call against Jordan Bell in Oklahoma City a couple of years ago that essentially cost the Wolves a, a game. And I still can't believe that that happened, that Chris Paul talked him into that that it was the second delay of game tactical. It cost us a point. Oklahoma City throws the baseball pass. Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder, I can remember it to this moment. Um, so he's up there too. So as soon as I saw Scott Foster and Ed Malloy, I, I think everybody knew it was going to be a tightly officiated game. Those guys kind of, um, I think you put them both in the category of, of sticklers for the rules. And I think we, we thought it would be a, a, a tightly officiated game and it was, it was interesting in that game too. Our stat man, Dave Hanlon, does such a great job on our broadcast, you know, was, was keeping track of that. It started 14-7, 14 fouls against the Wolves, seven against the Clippers. But the rest of the game, it kind of flip-flopped. It was only 12 against the Wolves. It was 21 fouls called against the Clippers. And, the, and obviously there's a lot that goes in that. I thought the Wolves were the more uh, aggressive team in the second half or really from that mid-second quarter on. So I think they deserve the the whistle that they got. But it was interesting to see that foul discrepancy. But I know when when those when those officials were announced early in the morning, that, that created there was already some angst amongst Timberwolves fans, which I get. And I think that just raised it to another level when you saw those two names. I thought the double technical was a little unusual. Well, one, I didn't think it should have been a technical in the first place on either player. But then to award the double technical on Patrick Beverly and Morris and then take away the technical from Morris, I thought that was a little unusual. I think what happened in that situation, Tim, was that Ed Malloy forgot that Marcus Morris already had a technical earlier in the game. 
and that would have been his second tactical. He would have been gone. And when you get to the postseason or a play-in type game where so much is on the line, you know, officials don't want to be the ones to to tip the scales of, of power to, you know, not, not that Marcus Morris is setting the world on fire, but he's a key player. He's a starter for the Clippers. That would have changed their rotations. Um, and so he teed them up and you immediately saw Scott Foster come over and say, hold on, hold on, let's talk about this. Because Scott Foster realized that that would have been the end for Marcus Morris. So I think they essentially found a way to keep Marcus Morris in the game. I mean, there's no doubt that Pat Bev slapped down, but you can't rule that and, and disregard what happened before Pat Bev slapped out. It was pretty clear that Marcus Morris was was elbowing him in the stomach, pushing him in the chest. It was Marcus Morris who was kind of the instigator there um, and probably deserved, if, if he hadn't gotten a technical earlier, he would have gotten one as well and all would have been forgotten. But um, I think it worked out well. It did, It you know, I, I, I was upset at the time too, because if you're going to, if you're going to tee somebody up, Hey, you can't rescind that. I don't know if I've ever seen a tee taken away during a game. That's essentially what happened that caused it. They kept Marcus Morris on the floor. Yeah. I don't want to comment too much about Carl Anthony Towns' game on Tuesday night, but he does have a history in with struggling against the Los Angeles Clippers, particularly mm-hmm. this season. Now we face the Memphis Grizzlies. He had a good season versus them. I talked about it in my last podcast. Very good numbers, very good matchups against Jaron Jackson Jr. Do you have any concerns for Cat entering the Memphis Grizzlies series? No, I don't think so. I think I think you're right. It's a different matchup, and I think um, I, I think if I think Cat's going to realize, and I think the coaching staff will probably talk with him about the fact that you know he just as we've talked about throughout the course of the season, composure is a big thing for him, right? Like just trusting your talent. Um, don't try to do too much. It, if he just plays within the flow and the context of the offense and defense, you know, his t- talent's going to shine through. He'll have success. The problem uh, for him, I think, lies in the fact that I think he tries to do too much. And when sometimes he's got a mismatch in his favor, he tries too hard to take advantage of that mismatch. Maybe he hooks the arm, picks up an offensive foul like we saw the other night, and it kind of spirals downhill for him. Uh, but I don't have any concerns that he won't bounce back and be the dominant player that we saw, you know, for this season. And I think this was his best season of his seven. Um, he's always been a consistent player, but consistently at this level this year, I think he's taken it to a new level. And I, and I think he's put himself in the running to be in the MVP conversation for years going forward. I don't think he's in the mix um, this season, but he's put his name just outside of that group now with Jokic and Embiid and Giannis, where I think he's going to be mentioned among those guys for the next three or four years. Hmm. Towns fouled out with about seven or eight minutes left, seven and a half minutes left to be exact. ESPN gave the Wolves a 12% chance of winning mm-hmm. when he fouled out down by seven. What percent chance of winning did you give the Timberwolves in that moment? Were you surprised you know, they pulled uh, it out? Yeah, they were down by 10. They were down by seven when uh, Towns fouled out. Um, I really liked the decision to go back to Towns early in that quarter. Um, I mean, you were already down to figure, so it was almost like you had to. But I I like it from the sense that, okay, we're going to roll the dice here. You're going to have to roll the dice at some point, right? He's already got five. You can't change the past. So going forward, maybe you get a long stretch with Towns. He gets hot, leads a comeback. Or if what happens is he plays two minutes, picks up a sixth foul, and he's out, okay, now you know what you have and what you don't have. Just, you just don't have him available anymore. You don't have to worry about that. Now you try to manage the game without him down the stretch. And so I thought it was, uh, um, I thought it was, you know, it was probably a no-brainer to bring him back at that point, but I really liked that. Uh, that way, when he did foul out, you've got some time left. 
and you're trying to put the pieces together to complete that comeback. But I think, um, you know, only once this year did the Timberwolves come back from a double-digit fourth-quarter deficit. It was against Charlotte, um, a game that they were down 13 with about nine and a half minutes to go, and they needed overtime to win that game. So they really hadn't had a 10-point comeback and won a game in regulation. So this was a rare, a really rare case this year of this team has been good from ahead, but they haven't been really this come-from-behind team where they have a number of come-from-behind wins, kind of like the Clippers have. I mean, they have three 25-point comebacks this year. I think they've got five or six 20-point comebacks. Um, the Timberwolves haven't been like that. So it was, I, I put their percentages pretty low when we got down by 10 and you can feel the momentum really shift. The air came out of the building. Uh, but the Wolves, you know, when, when as long as there's time left on the clock, you've got yourself a chance and they got things rolling. Ant and D'Lo, I thought, really carried the way. Pat Bev was huge. And a lot of the, the unsung guys, you know, whether it's Jaden McDaniels or Jared Vanderbilt, um, Nazarene, I thought, had a really good game stepping up in the absence of Carl Anthony Towns. And um, they, they pulled it off. So I, I don't think the percentages were very good down by 10 with about 840 left. Um, so that made it all the more remarkable. Yeah. Do you think this is the Anthony Edwards that we're going to continue to see the playoffs as a 20 year old? Sometimes I still have to remind myself that he is just 20 years old because he looks like he's in a 24, 25, 26 year old body right now. He's so strong and muscular and he's, thick. he is, he is um, not one of these guys that has to develop into his body. Is he? No, no he's not like a, I mean, Zach Levine has developed into his body. Ricky Rubio, even when he came in was um, not what he looks like today. They had, they took time to grow into his body. There's not, I, I don't know if Ant was born that way because he's absolutely, he looks like a middle linebacker. He is just massive. And he's been that way from his, from his rookie year, which was only last year. So He's been, um, he is so strong. He's just talking to him post game and being courtside last night. He's just dripping with sweat. You can see the exhaustion. I don't know if you can see exhaustion, but I thought I saw it on him. <laughs> um, he gave so much in that game. You know, the key for him all year is when he's had these big games is being able to follow it up, be consistent, yeah. maybe not at that, you know, tremendously high level, but how do you become a, a great player in this league? You know, Chris Finch told me earlier this season on the, on a, on a pregame show, you know, when, you, when you're in the running for MVP and you want to play at that level, you really only get about five, six, seven off nights a year. You, you've got to be at this high level every single night. And I think that's the next step for Ant is getting at that consistent level where he's doing it night in, night out. Um, can he duplicate the 30 points that he had last night in such a high leverage situation, 10 in the fourth quarter, just carrying this team? Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but it certainly gives you an idea of what he's capable of. I think the Timberwolves match up really well with the Grizzlies. I'm happy that they're facing the Grizzlies than, let's Mm -hmm. say, the Golden State Warriors, even with a dinged-up Steph Curry. What are your thoughts on the matchup that we're about to go against? No doubt about it. And uh, I think that's one reason why last night was so crucial. I was thinking about this this morning, that, um, you know, if you lose that game, boy, now now you took a day off today, you're prepping for a Friday night game um, that you must win. And then if you win that, now you're, you know, getting on a plane in the morning to Phoenix, flying all day, um, and you're facing the number one team, and, and you don't want to match up against it. Nobody wants to match up against Phoenix. They're, they are the best team in the league over the regular season this year. Last year, um, they've got dreams of getting back to the finals. I think Memphis, other than maybe Denver, which is not possible to match up with them in the first round, they're not really an option, so I don't put a lot of stock in that. But that would have been, that would have been the one team you would have loved to see in the Denver Nuggets because I think they match up and have played really well against them. But the number two team on that list behind Denver would be Memphis. They really played well. Probably should have gone three and one against them this season. Um, And they just had some really good games. They match up, I think, really well. Um, It's been exciting basketball. I think it's um, 
I think we're poised for for a, for a big postseason series. Yeah. In the four games that the Timberwolves played against the Grizzlies, John Morant shot 34% uh, from the field this season. We have a lot of guys that can match up with them with Beverly and Edwards and McDaniels and um, even D'Lo might take a turn or two on mm-hmm. the switch. So a lot to look forward to in that series. Two questions left, Alan. Did Patrick Beverly take away the shine from you? Were you about to jump on the scoreboard and take off your shirt and throw it into the crowd? I was a little busy, too 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 busy calling the win at the moment because that ball had I I was kind of thrown off by the fact that he threw it so high in the air, and I actually thought he threw it a little too early. Like that's going to come down, and there's still going to be time left. <laughs> yes. Like you know, as Wolves fans know, you're just kind of looking at that clock and thinking, man, I, I we, there's still a minute left. They got Paul George. There's still 30 seconds left. Okay, Paul George hit a three moments ago. Um, you, you you never think it's finally over until that clock hits triple zeros. And the one thing I wanted Pat Bev to do is just hold the ball, wait for those triple zeros, and then celebrate. But by the time I was halfway through my call, he was standing up right next to me to my right up on the scorer's table. And he just, um, you know, he let loose with all the emotion that he kind of kept inside, I think, the last few days. It's it's clear the game meant an awful lot to him going up against his former team. Um, he, you know, he had plays with a chip, maybe a couple of different chips, maybe a couple of chips on each shoulder he's just he has got um you know he's got a fight and a will that is just um it's fun to watch you love to have him on your team after years of him being a pest against you um now when you've got that guy it's just he's just a monster defensively and late in the game whoever he's matched up with if i'm that coach i just don't even want my guy with the basketball against him because there's a 50 percent chance it's going to get stolen it's there's probably a 90 percent chance something's bad is going to happen because pat bev is just he's just uh he's just determined um to cause problems it's it's been fun to watch yeah one of my favorite things now that the timberwolves have kind of become a Pretty good team in the NBA, seventh seed in the Western Conference. Probably could be a four or five, maybe in the Eastern Conference, just based on the standings. Is that Minnesotans love basketball. And Mm -hmm. even when the Timberwolves stink, nobody's there. Nobody wants to admit that they like them. But when they are good, Mm -hmm. Alan, they come out in droves. The arena is packed, and I love it. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't here in 2004 um, for that run, but I was watching on television. You could see that clearly. Um, on those uh, on those postseason broadcasts where the fans were just going nuts, and I've always been told that this is a basketball town, a basketball state, um, and I think we're starting to see that now because the building was absolutely rocking last night. And uh, we mentioned those foul discrepancies early. The crowd was so into it, so angry at all these calls early yes, on. It was so suck. great. I mean, the chants were so there was some real venom and some power behind what they were saying and how they were saying it. The chants were just. They're just so intense. Um, and, and then the chance of beat L.A. were really good. And then at the end, we want Memphis was great to hear. Um, it was, you know, it was it was great to see. And I think we've seen that in spurts and glimpses. Um, we saw it in the in the unofficial play in game against Denver to end the 17, 18 season. It was a lot like that. Um, but this is um, this is a different kind of team than 17-18. You could already feel in that second half of the season the vibe was not as good. You could already sense that there were some fractions um, developing between some of the team and Jimmy Butler and Towns and Wiggins. It wasn't working. And then basically a gentleman's sweep against Houston didn't do a lot for uh, for boating well for the future. But I think this team has got the complete opposite vibe. They've got a Great um, second half of the season. And I think not only would they be, have been like a top five seed maybe in the East, but 
I think they're now at a point where if they, you know, everything turned in January, right? When they were 30 and 16, eighth best record in the league. Um, I fully expect going forward that that's going to be kind of the new standard for them. I mean, I, I think if you play the entire year at that rate, they would have been a top four seed in the Western Conference. And I fully expect this team to kind of pick up whenever it ends to, to, to pick up where they left off heading into next season. You got a lot of TV time on Tuesday night filling the role of Dave Benz and Jim Peterson. You had a good hair day, too. Oh, great. I'm glad because that's uh, that's only why well, there's only been a handful of games. We've been able to jump down courtside um, for some of those games. But once you get to exclusivity on TNT, um, both uh, Clippers Radio and Timberwolves Radio were able to move down courtside. And boy, you're right in the heart of things down there. And it's, it's actually a little strange because we're not we're not courtside very often, not only a target center, but even around the league. There's only about four or five spots where we're in the front row or the second row. Um, and so it's different calling a game when you get down there. So you're, you're used to think the higher you go up, the more things slow down and you actually get in a rhythm. You can see the whole floor and everything. Um, you're not shielded out by referees and by coaches and people standing right in front of you. Um, players checking in, you know, back in the day, they used to squat down and sit on the floor so they wouldn't block people's view. These days, players just stand up and they kind of block out one whole end of the court. So it's an adjustment to, um, to call the game courtside, but I'm glad you, uh, glad you mentioned that. I appreciate that. A good hair day. That's uh, <laughs> that's a, uh, that's a rare one for me. So I'll take it. <laughs> Alan Horton delivering the goods play-by-play -play announcer for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Thanks Alan for the time. Tim, you got it anytime.